Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Breaking Bad episode recap. Into the fourth episode, we're past the halfway point of the first season already. This is uh, Cancer Man, first aired on the 17th of February 2008. Written by Vince Gilligan and directed by Jim McKay, Mackay, whatever you want to say it as, uh, Jim, I'm sure. You've heard it both over the years. My name is Ben, and I want Shania Twain to give me a tuggy. <laughs> and uh, my name's Nick, and you really shine on that oboe. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing <laughs> just for you. Um, and hello to Shania Twain. If she's <laughs> How's that for a dated reference? It was probably dated then, to be fair, though. Oh, that don't impress me much. Um, <laughs> I saw Shania Twain live in your country, Nick. The only concert I really? ever saw in New Zealand. I was Shania working at, Twain. I was working at uh, the esteemed Otago Daily Times, and they sent out a call of, who wants to review Shania Twain? So I was like, sure. <laughs> so I went to the uh, brilliant Foresight Bar Stadium and uh, enjoyed Shania Twain in Dunedin. So uh, she wasn't too bad, actually. Not my favourite, but, I mean, she wasn't terrible. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> The last of Ben Waterworth. I'm sure everyone's really wanting to know about that. Uh, they want to learn more about Cancer Man. I, there's a weird song that I get stuck in my head when I see this episode. Um, obscure band called Knife Party, sort of like a dance band. And they've got a song called Candy Man. And the song is like, I thought you were my candy man. So every time I see this, I'm like, I think you were my cancer man. Um, I'm sure that's exactly what they were wanting to do with this episode. But um, <laughs> y- you mentioned last week, it's sort of more of a, I guess, a character episode. There's not a whole lot of giant moments in this episode. Jesse has some hallucinations of some bikies. Uh, we meet Skinny Pete. Um, Walt tells people about his cancer. Um yeah, I mean, look, compared to the first three episodes, this isn't the greatest episode, but it's also not a terrible episode either. Well, I think you, you do have to have some kind of character-building episodes if you want people to get on board with these characters. So um, I, I think that, that there's nothing wrong with slowing down from time to time. It's just, uh, I guess, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about how slow it gets and, and um, if there's enough here for it to be a buy for, for both of us, I guess. But, um, you know, just um, keeping keeping up with what our... our um, uh, episode titles are about and this one you would think is pretty straightforward because it's called Cancer Man and it's about you know Walt telling his family that he's got cancer so you think that that's pretty obvious but there's actually more to it than that believe it or not so um, it's a throwback to Vince Gilligan's days on the X-Files um, that he used oh. to work on oh of um, 
Yep. And there was a, a, a villain. Cigarette called smoking the man. Cancer man. Cancer the man. The smoking man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of where it comes from. He, it says that uh, he found it to be a fitting title for Walter White's new role as both the villain and the man dealing with his new new battle with cancer. So, um, it's always more to it than you think there's going to be, eh? Like, um, yeah, on, on paper, it looks pretty straightforward. So, um, this book was money well spent from just for that perspective. Well, I mean, as an X-Files fanboy, it makes sense. Um, William B. Davis, I believe, played uh, Cigarette Smoking Man, a.k.a. Cancer Man. Uh, oh, yeah, so... um, it's a terrible confession. I've never seen one episode of The X-Files. Wow. Um, and okay. I, feel like I, I feel like I should, but I kind of feel like it might be too old now to really appreciate. So, Look, um, yeah, yeah, I oh, can't even remember the last time I tried to rewatch it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it started in like 94, so of course it's going to be slightly dated. But, um, you know, like, I mean, I, I it's been a while since I've watched it. I'd love to go back and rewatch it as well. But, I mean, it, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm so used to Brian Cranston now as, as Walter White that, yeah, as I said last week, kind of watching Malcolm in the Middle, you know, but it's, it's kind of like I sort of got so used to David Duchovny as uh, in Californication, so I don't know how I'm going to go back watching him as Fox Mulder. But, um, yeah, no, I, look, it's a great show. I, I, I would say that... Um, it's probably not going to be one of our top 10 shows we'd ever cover because I think it's kind of like Star Wars and the fact that I get scared to, to sort of annoy the X-Files <laughs> fandom out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, childhood show. Used to love it. Uh, and the first movie was pretty good. Second movie, not so much. But uh, anyway. Um, but uh, let's get into this episode. We start off with Hank trying to come up with a Operation icebreaker title for this uh, new perfect meth and basically uh, Gomez basically bags him out because it's a it's a mint and it is uh, it is a type of mint in North America uh, so um, therefore it turns into Operation TBD um, I just again they're, they're back and forth they're just children you know just the way they kind of like have this and can, I, can I just comment on um, Gomez's sunglasses, the fact that he has those ones with, like, the thing that attached to the back that sit around his neck. Like, yeah, did they not yeah. go out of fashion in, like, 1993? I mean... Yeah, yeah. You know. This show, this show does feel like it's... Um, I, I, knew, I know you get a few kind of, like, cell phones and things like that, but it does feel like it's maybe set... 10 years earlier than it actually was like i don't know i don't know what i'm basing that on maybe it's the cars that they use as well you know the cars kind of feel a little bit older than maybe their time and um so yeah it, it does kind of feel like a lot of the stuff is, is like a out of the 90s as opposed to the kind of mid to late noughties is it uh is it an albuquerque thing i, I don't know i'm not being maybe, to albuquerque, maybe. but um but because the the whole time frame of this show is pretty tight, isn't it? Like, even when this show was, like, being filmed in, like, 2012, 2013, we're still meant to be set in, like, 2009, aren't we? So, like, they kind of keep well, it pretty yeah, tight from memory. I, yeah, I think if you if you think, you know, you've got that, that scene in the first episode where it's his 50th birthday with the bacon, you know, and then um, I think towards the end of the show we have a, a similar scene where he's playing with the 51. bacon and it's his 52nd birthday, I oh, think. Second, yeah. So I think, yeah. I think it's two – I could be wrong about that, but I think it's to, I think over a two-year period. I think we get a 51 and a 52. From yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of yeah, it's kind of set over kind of about two years. So because I know um, Better Call Soul is like two thousand two, two thousand three. So like you legitimately yeah. get a lot of like you talk about like cell phones. Like we we get a whole thing around flip phones in that show and things like that. And they're pretty tight around the time frame of, of Better Call Soul. So um, mm. yeah. So but like that's always one of these ones that I forget that kind of like it. Yeah, it does doesn't sort of like each season isn't a new year so to speak. So yeah, yeah. It's know, not Harry Potter. 
No, <laughs> thankfully it's not Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> that would now that would be a crossover: Harry Potter and Breaking Bad. <laughs> Say my name. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so basically, this is uh, Hank talking. So it's ninety nine point one percent pure meth that they've found, that their uh, lab technicians are basically like, they couldn't even cook this stuff up this perfect. Um, they've got new players in town. We've got Crazy 8 here, believed to be dead, um, and sort of he snitched out on his cousin as well. So uh, basically look out. And I, I love that way when they're like going on about like, you know, he's got extremely high skill set and uh, Albuquerque might have a new kingpin and you kind of cut to Walter White shirtless with his, like, dad bod brushing yeah. his teeth, kind of just spitting into a sink. Um, so, yeah, it's a cool little shot. I like sort of how they do that. And then after our opening titles, we've sort of got this image of, like, a burning piece of meat <laughs> and you've got uh, Walt staring at it. So, like, is this him, you know, getting rid of Crazy Eight's body? Is this <laughs> kind of how he's doing it? But, nope, he's cooking chicken. And... Uh, Hank's going off at him for cooking chicken, um, <laughs> burning it. We get this dinner table scene like it's not breakfast for once. We've got dinner. So, uh, you know, keep track of the breakfast versus dinner. This is all a story basically about uh, how uh, Walter and Skylar met, Hank and Maria met, and kind of also you've got um, them flirting with Walter Jr. saying that he's a movie star essentially. <laughs> so, sure, but... Uh, so this nice story about how um, Walt essentially would go into this diner every day and sort of see Skylar there each day and do a crossword puzzle, and that's how they met. And Skylar starts crying. She walks off, and they're like, you know, what's wrong? She says, ask him. And Walt says that he's got cancer and uh, tells everyone. So that's the reveal. That's what he told Skylar last week, which... Again, you said last week that you probably found out straight away, but did you have any inkling? Like, did you think that straight away he's going to say that he's got cancer? Because, like, again, I can't remember. I'd probably assume that that was it, but uh, it kept you guessing at least. Yeah, I, I, look, I think if you if you were to seriously think about it for a week, that's probably what you would have expected as opposed to him telling her that he killed somebody or that he's making meth. Like, that feels like the more natural thing in retrospect. But, um, yeah, I think it probably would have kept people guessing enough to, to be interesting. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's good. I, I actually really like that we kind of get these – a lot of these – this is maybe the first of, of quite a few of these scenes of, um, you know, like this family out the back – having a barbie or whatever whatever it is or around the pool you know it becomes like a common place for these kind of conversations to happen which i really like um i just yeah something about it i just i think feels feels cool um so yeah i, I kind of like that these guys all feel like they have pretty natural chemistry um mm. one of the things i was kind of interested with the scene is that um you know like um um Walter Jr. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to guess whether or not you're supposed to think he's already he already knows because like when when Walt kind of says I've got cancer, he, Walter Jr. kind of looks like he already knew. But then the following scene, which I haven't quite talked about yet, is him in his room kind of listening to music and crying. And so, I, 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 do you think that Walter Jr. knew, or do you think this was him finding out at the same time as well? I'm, I, it doesn't really matter, but it's just it's just interesting. I didn't really think about it. I, I honestly thought this was the first time he was finding out because I kind of think it's that scene. Um, because doesn't Skylar say in this next scene that like he didn't want anyone to know? Um, and, yeah. Like, I, I would assume that... Um, I don't know. I would probably just assume that he didn't know because, like, I mean, you know, that's when he's found out with the other ones because it, it feels like this is just something that's just been between Skylar and Walter. So you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so. it's just like his his reaction when he tells everybody at the table it doesn't quite it doesn't quite land. Then I guess if he's supposed to have known already, uh, if he's yeah. uh, sorry if he doesn't know already, it kind of feels like um, a bit of an odd reaction. But you know, a, a very rare kind of misstep I think in terms of cutting and, and getting the right the right shot for that particular scene. Well, this whole next sequence is yeah they're sort of talking about getting the best people. Um, Marie knows people, will make some calls. She'll get the best oncologist. Um, Skylar's basically blaming the lab and we're going to get a lawyer. Very American, why not? Um, and, yeah, I think... Uh, I, was, I like the Hank moment when he just kind of says to him, like, you know, like, wh- whatever happens, you know, I'll, I'll look after your family. So, I mean, I guess sort of like a, a rare kind of almost emotional moment from Hank, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, you don't really see this from him a lot. But uh, you know, kind of at least that. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a nice little scene. I think kind of it's and again, it feels very natural. Like I mean, um, we've all probably had experiences with finding out news like this and kind of having a conversation like this with people. So yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think what's really interesting is that um, and, you know, Walt's there. The four adults are kind of sitting around the couch at this point. They're inside and. Um, this conversation about Walt is kind of happening around him. Like he's not really an active participant in this discussion, um, that they're all talking about the things they're going to do. Um, and, and I just, I think that's interesting because of where the show actually goes um, kind of later on. Um, so yeah, I just, I think I just found that quite interesting that um, especially paired with what we get later on in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you're right. Like it's kind of, you see kind of Walt, I guess, um, you know, he's looking uncomfortable. You can kind of feel that he's not comfortable with this and, uh, you know, wants to kind of say something, but obviously everyone's worried about him. So, you know, kind of he's just playing along with it, I guess, for the yeah. time being. And of course, as Yeah, and I think, it's, yeah. I think it's interesting because, I mean, obviously um, we know more about what's going on with Walt than than um, his family do at this point. So I think that that's, um, it, it's kind of interesting that he's got a bit of a plan for how he's going to pay for anything, but then he's also thinking about, well, he doesn't really want to pay for treatment. That wasn't why he got into this. It's to leave money for his family, right? Um, mm. So this is going to kind of derail his plans or change his plans. Um, and I think that that's interesting is that it's always important to bring it back to the reason he started doing this was not for himself. Um, and um, that, you know, th- that will change. But, um, you know, at, at this point, in time is that actually this is about helping his family he expects he's going to die soon so um yeah I, I just think that that's it's kind of important to to kind of keep in mind that you've got these people around him who are making decisions for him and i think that that's again you said you know people who have had experiences with this kind of thing that's probably quite a common thing as well is that um often the person who has to who is who is at the center of this um you know, like they've got to think about all the other people that are going to be impacted by it. Um, and so that discussion about, you know, w- what role do they play and, and what role do their family members play in that discussion? It just feels quite real, I guess, is the point I'm making. This does feel pretty natural. And I guess it's also probably different coming from a perspective where you and I are lucky enough to live in countries where, you know, the financial burden of something like this isn't really something that we generally have to particularly in Australia like I, I know there's a bit more of a fight for it in New Zealand I know when I was living there there was a lot more of a fight for that sort of treatment but um, obviously the US have a pretty uh, messed up medical system so this is something that unfortunately they have to face a lot more than uh, you know people in our countries I guess so um, yeah. yeah so that's another way of looking at it um, we go to Jesse's house uh, where we're going to meet for the very first time uh, Charlie Baker good friend of this show Skinny Pete uh, as well as Combo uh, now, uh, does Combo 
what's the other guy's name? Uh, we get more of uh, what's his face? We're oh, there's Badger. So Badger's coming yeah. up soon. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's obviously combo at the moment. So yeah. Combo is not as regular though as Badger and Skinny Pete though, right? Like he kind of disappears, um, doesn't he, from memory? Or uh, yes, he um, meets an untimely end um, uh, fairly soon. So yes, we'll right, get there okay. when we get there. Good, good to see that I remember that basically. <laughs> oh, actually, no, 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 well, no, 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 no. I do remember him now. Yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, I looked yeah. up. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, that. I, I think it's um, it, it's it's quite interesting to, to think about what their plans for Badger might have been like if Combo was going to be that secondary guy the whole time um, and, and then you know they decided to make this move to, to do what they do with Combo and, and then maybe that's why we get more Badger than maybe we were planning to and I mean there's nothing wrong with this guy who's playing Combo but the guy we get who plays Badger is great so um, yes. yeah I'm, I'm not sad if, that's, if that means we get more Badger I don't know I'm, I'm, I love- uh, I'm, I'm speculating I love Combo sort of walking through his house and looking up at the ceiling <laughs> and seeing like this like massive hole in the ceiling. And what does Jesse say? Like, uh, yeah, like the house is uh, shifting or something, settling or something. <laughs> yeah. like and, I, and I love it when he's here basically trying to like sell them on Pop-Tarts. They're like imported or shit from Canada or something like that. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, it's like a house settles, it might get a few kind of cracks in places, like you know, very minor cracks. It's not going to get like the ceiling cave in with blood on the sides and things like that. Like it's, I'm just, like it's really, really quite odd that like he would have people over at his house and like what has quite clearly been something horrific happened there. Um, but I guess if he's if he's um, you know wired out on drugs and maybe he's not quite thinking straight. Well, this is the thing where I feel this scene feels natural. We talked about sort of things feeling natural, like not that I'm hanging out with people like this, but like when you're a, when you're a teenager. I mean, I guess these guys aren't teenagers, but they haven't really exactly grown up from that teenagerness. Um, you know, kind of like when you're around certain people and they're just sort of chilled and relaxed and kind of they're just so nonchalant and whatever. They they're not that intelligent. They sort of they will believe things, and then basically all all they're around yeah. here at Jesse's house is to smoke meth and smoke dope. Like so, yeah, you yeah. know. It's kind of it feels almost very natural, but basically, yeah, combo's all like, "Hey man, you got any crystal?" And Jesse starts talking up that he's cooked this mad batch, but uh, yeah, he's gonna give up on the stuff because he's been uh, a little bit paranoid. So let's smoke some weed instead. And basically, combo gets a bit personal. And he's like, "Oh, you man, you don't have to lie to me." So they go to leave, and Jesse's t- saying that basically, "No, he's joking. Let's let's get high together." Uh, and then that leads to Jesse the next morning getting extra paranoid thinking that people are after him, these two bikies with machetes knocking on his door. So he he does a runner, jumps the fence and leaves, and we see that they're actually Mormons, uh, which, I mean, let's be honest, I had the same reactions when Mormons knock on my door as well. So Yeah, yeah it's a funny one. It's, um, it, it feels a little bit out of place. I think we'll put this down to another bit of, like, slightly strange. Because I think, like... Um, there's a little there's well there's actually quite a bit of in season two um around the drug hallucination type stuff but this isn't really a show that um that kind of gets into the hallucination of oh you know people using drugs um happens occasionally but not a whole lot so this this feels a little little bit out of place from what we kind of see in the rest of the the kind of series i suppose but um i love it i think it's a it's a cool little moment um and yeah kind of kind of works really well i love the bit where like you know these bikies are walking up like throwing a grenade it's <laughs> so good um so yeah no I, I really like it which i mean one thing too which you would probably say about breaking bad because i know certain people who you know you tell them what the premise is of the show and like all oh, that sounds silly you know drugs whatever like 
I don't really think they ever go out of their way to glorify drugs in this show. Like, it's kind of like you talk about the hallucination things, which sort of, yeah, they, they occasionally show. But, I mean, even this scene here, it's kind of, it's grungy. You've just sort of got guys sitting around, sort of a slacking apartment. Like, I mean, that's not appealing to me. I mean, I would argue, I know some people that probably is appealing to, but, like, at the point, it... Yeah, like, it's kind of, like, it's not glorifying it in a way where it's like, oh, man, this looks amazing. Because even then, like, he's he's fucking tripping out right now and he's seen Mormons as, like, murderous bikies. So, I mean, that, I mean, who's going to be wanting in, to be into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it, it's really interesting, eh? Like, it's, it's just one of those kind of cool things that I, I think that they really always get the balance right about how they show drugs in the show. And, you know, I'll, I'll bring that up as we go along further in the show because they definitely have scenes where, um, you know, they, they show the ill effects of, you know, of these guys are making drugs and they and we get to see the other end of that of people using those drugs in, in really bad ways, um, which I think is really, really good. So, um, But I always hate when shows kind of use drugs as kind of shorthand to, you know, somebody's life is falling apart, so we show them on drugs. So I think I, what I do like about the show as well is that they do show the fact that lots of people use use drugs recreationally and it doesn't hurt them in any particular way it's something they just do and um so you know it's actually not something that um is really seen as good or bad i think it's kind of right down the middle and um i I really appreciate that certain hashtag poor matt on nip tuck with heroin (laughs) well i always go back to the uh the good old uh shortland street thing which um you know we haven't mentioned shortland street for at least three episodes but you know like um kiwi's the new zealand's favorite soap soap opera um which is you know whenever somebody's life is falling apart it's because they're suddenly taken up doing drugs um (laughs) and i think that's probably a more soap opera thing than it is a a standard drama tv show thing but yeah i I hate it when they do it so um yeah I'm, i'm glad that we kind of get the balance a little bit more right here i think tell me this isn't your penis um, <laughs> greatest cliffhanger in television history <laughs> just just amazing um we need to do that episode just on the network for shits and giggles um waltz uh in the bathroom dressing his wound and basically he's got some sort of like glue here or something like that and he's putting like um antiseptic stuff on it and he sees a drop of blood on his pants so um the chemistry teacher turning into a bit of a doctor here um Mm. but uh yeah and skylar's kind of banging on the door are you okay uh she's on the phone making an appointment she's got an appointment with basically the best uh oncologist uh in new mexico one of the top 10 in in america i mean how do they rank that like oh this doctor saved eighty seven thousand lives this one saved eighty seven thousand and one. they're in the top 10 like how do you rank the top 10 doctors it's um it's there's the oncology olympics you know like every <laughs> four every four years they you know they have the oncology olympics and who gets the gold medal and yeah it's it's, it's a bit weird i eh? like how do you actually rank these things um yeah, yeah i'm sure it's probably a, a very competitive field that we just don't know about I mean, look, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, somebody's better because of some reason. But, um, you know, you're not going to go see Dr. Nick. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> got something along those lines. Um, so, yeah, she's got an appointment. It's going to cost $5,000. We're going to put it on the credit card and basically call your mom. We can borrow money from Hank. And this is where you're going back to that point where all of a sudden, like, Hank's, uh, sorry, Walt's having to face these issues where money's going to be used for him and, he kind of mentions like, oh, I'll, I'll use it from my pension. Um, yeah. To which we uh, are going to see him basically going to the air condition. Now, did I forget that they got money? When did they get money? 
Did I? So I think this was his. Yeah, I think there was the the very first batch they did. They got they got an amount. They, they sold money. it. Yeah, they sold okay. that first batch. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so I there there is a little bit there, but not heaps. Um, yeah, and and we obviously get that first mention of his mother, you know, as well as this this other thing that Do gets talked about here. Do we ever meet her mum? No, I don't think mom? so. I I think this is one of those things. Like I think his mother is kind of like a narrative device to kind of um to really show his his um lack of caring and his his ability to lie quite freely you know i think she's more a narrative device than actually a character that we need to have on the show so um i think the show really benefits from having a a, a reasonably small main cast you know like even mm. as the show goes on um you know we it never balloons into a massive kind of cast of characters and you know i think i don't think i ever missed having walt's mother on the show it was never really necessary i don't think yeah, no, I think you're right there. And I think I'm pretty sure this is, um, if it's not this scene, there's a scene after where he looks at the crib. I mentioned last week and you see the word Topeka on the um, the family crib there. Right, so, okay, uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so just kind of a throwback to uh, Crazy Eight story last week. But I love how, like, the air conditioner goes off and he loses, like, money and then Walt Jr. comes in and is basically, and he's like, oh, I thought we had mice, so I'm just looking. And, um, yeah, Walt Jr.'s a bit, like, it's kind of, he's, I don't say he's odd in this episode because he's kind of like, you know, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, why are you acting so weird? And then later on, he's just like, just fucking die. Like, I guess it's that emotional level, like, um, you know, of, of how someone of his age would deal with this. And again, go back to my point, like, you know, many of us have, have had to go through this and y- you deal with it in your own way. Like, it's not like a, yeah. a linear progress of, oh, cool, you've got cancer. Well, this is how we're going to deal with it. Like, you know, he's obviously... Com- compartmentalizing it in his own way so um yeah. Yeah. I, I think the thing i really like about the, the kind of walt jr character as well is that i think um it, it would be really easy to lean on him being disabled as being like this real you know plot device and and they don't really go down that road but i you always do get that under underlying current that you know walt jr's life is hard and um he gets frustrated at, at walt senior at his dad when um he he suspects he's not trying as hard as he could be because you know walt jr's got this thing that he he can't just opt out of you know like it is it's a mm-hmm. it's something that he's going to have for his life they can't just fight it and um and, and get rid of it um so yeah I, I think it's just a really interesting way of kind of framing walt and his struggle is, is through his son who's got this lifelong going to have a lifelong struggle with disability so i, I really like how they do that was that again? I haven't really sort of gone into a lot of, you know, making ofs or seeing interviews with Vince Gilligan or that sort of stuff. But I mean, was that always kind of the plan to get RJ Mitty and sort of like write a character with a condition, or did they kind of then cast RJ Mitty and think, well, this would be a good plot device? I mean, are you aware of the plan? No, I, don't, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't entirely know that um and i'm sure we can probably find that out and come back the next time we talk about them um in future episodes and maybe fill in that blank but um for me i think it kind of probably if i was going to take a guess off the top of my head is that i think it's all about framing walt as this um walt senior as um this kind of sympathetic character um you know i think that it's, it's mainly to make him you know the most pathetic character they possibly can that, you know, he's down on his luck and, and, you know, he's got a disabled son and, you know, so I think it's probably more that, and they went looking for somebody that could do that acting for them. Um, but I could be totally wrong about that. So we'll, we'll do a bit of research. Um, something that we always do on the yes. Oz network or we'll go away and do our research. We won't forget that at all. Um, <laughs> 
Walt basically is going to drive to the bank. Again, Mesa Verde, uh, connections there that we'll get a lot more of, uh, particularly when it comes to Better Call Soul. But uh, sort of on the way, these cop cars like drive. I sort of like these paranoid moments, you know, he's like, no, 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 kind of like pulls over and clearly the cop's not after him. But again, like, let's be honest, if, if you're Walt, you're going to be feeling this way. You know, you've kind of murdered someone. You've gotten all this. I mean, we saw it in the very first episode. He was literally about to kill himself through the guilt. So, um, yeah. you know, there's that. Um we meet Ken. Ken wins, um, <laughs> steals his spot uh, at this bank. Now, look, I I feel a bit weird saying this because I I have now can officially say in my life I've owned a BMW, but uh, you know I only owned it for about a month, so I guess really now I can go back to bagging out BMWs. So uh, typical BMW driver. Um, and then like it, it's kind of weird this setup because like. I think I remember watching this. Like, where are they going with this? Like, I mean, is is this like Dexter again? Dexter bringing up again two weeks in a row. Like, is he just going to kill this guy because he's evil? Because like, we're in this bank and basically we've just got this douche nozzle on his Bluetooth, um, and then basically checking out some woman and talking about deals and this, that, and everything else. And basically, Walt's just depositing money to an oncology place. So, um, and he's just sort of Walt's death staring this guy the whole time. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember watching this for the first time going like, well, like, where are they going with this? Like, what's happening? But obviously it pays off by the end of the episode. Yeah, I think it's just that whole thing of making Walt seem like a sympathetic character again. Um, you know, that you want to hate this Ken guy. So, you know, what happens to him at the end of this episode, um, you're happy about it, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting one. It's kind of like somebody that kind of pops... And this this guy kind of pops up on break, uh, uh, on Better Call Saul at some point as well, I think. Um, they have like a callback to him because he never shows up again on Breaking Bad after this. He's kind of one and done um, with this, I think. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's I'm just pretty the sure one he episode. Does. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's. Um, I, I guess it's, it's. again, it's just to kind of frame Walt's struggle, really. Um, that you know, and I think that it's kind of setting him up for this kind of side of Walt that he kind of feels like he deserves more than he's got in life. And I think that that's something that we're going to get into, um, even as early as next episode. But kind of as an ongoing struggle for him that um, he feels like the world's against him and um, seeing these guys who are just assholes that, you know, are successful kind of just really, it, it kind of just reinforces that message that, you know, to, to Walt in his head that this isn't fair. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, that it's probably just that. I would probably agree with you that it feels a little bit clunky. Um, doesn't quite feel like it works, um, but, but it, it's, I guess it's good enough for this episode. We, um, if we ever do get to, covering better call soul and i i really hope we do um season two episode one he appears in uh mm-hmm. he is conned by jimmy and kim into buying <laughs> them shots of expensive tequila so that's uh, right yeah 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 so there you go um but yeah so we'll just keep an eye on ken he'll come back speaking of things that kind of feel weird we're now all of a sudden in some really proper home got really proper people talking to some proper little kid in a vest and eating dinner about oboes and uh, science awards and all this kind of stuff uh kind of it yeah and like i remember when i rewatched this i'm going like i, I like are these, are these jesse's parents like i feel these are jesse's parents <laughs> um uh you, your opening line was about shining on the oboe uh what does he say like you have real talent and i'm not just saying that <laughs> um and then we sort of hear this crashy noise oh i think that was coming in the backyard and we see jesse what does he say? Like, oh, new patio furniture. Yeah, right on. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, like, it's kind of, again, jarring, but I kind of like this, that, like, Jesse's kind of got, like, this sort of proper parents and proper brother. And 
like again this episode is not going to stand out as one of the greatest episodes of um of breaking bad but like i, I don't know i kind of like this background of jesse like it's a bit stereotypical it's a bit cliche to kind of have i don't know like the kid got off the rails or they've got a proper family but um you kind of have a bit of a payoff that with the brother at the end of the episode but uh yeah jesse basically comes in crashes we kind of got this cool little sped up montage of the day going by he's basically slept all day and his parents are basically talking about like, oh, what's your uppers, downers, you know, what should we do? Take him to the church festival and get him help. And Jesse kind of comes down and sort of is like asking about dinner and uh, essentially uh, starts making the table to try and make him feel useful. And uh, yeah, it's uh, basically Jesse's, I guess, feeling a bit guilty and bad. And, you know, I don't know, he's coming here to get some help from his parents. But obviously this is a recurring thing, Nick. He keeps doing this and his parents are a little bit concerned that they don't want to have to go through this again. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, I guess what's disappointing is that um, this doesn't really get picked up on again, um, really. Um, I think we might see the parents maybe once more after this this episode. Um, so it, it does feel like, again, one of those you know season one things that they were having a crack at and seeing what would work. Um, and they decide to take Jesse in a bit of a different direction after this, which is fine. You know, like I don't think you need to get everything super, you know, absolutely right in that first season um but it kind of doesn't feel like it has any long-term payoffs for me so i think if you can enjoy it within the context of this episode that's cool but i i was i guess hoping that this would kind of take us somewhere a little bit further in the future and there is some cool stuff here i think kind of when you you see you know like kind of he's looking at his old scrapbooks or school books or whatever you know like his, his ambitions for his life and this is kind of just building some backstory isn't it for for jesse about you know where he was as a kid and I love that kind of photo of him with that terrible kind of bowl cut or whatever it is um, <laughs> as, as a kid which I assume is an actual real photo of Aaron Paul that they pulled out of his, his, his family photo album um, but but yeah I think it's kind of just um, you know trying to set the scene for who Jesse was and who he could have been and you know like where he's gone to and the other thing I struggle with a little bit is that you know we've obviously talked about Jesse in this episode already and it's you know that um that initial scene with combo and skinny pete and and they kind of bounce or whatever after they you know whatever and it, it doesn't feel like he's kind of a natural connection from that scene to this scene specifically for me and so this does just feel a little bit like it's been plonked here i suppose i would say um so technically i don't mind what we're doing here but it just feels a bit disconnected i suppose for me so um that's where i have a bit of a struggle with it i i can see it like, yeah, if it doesn't go anywhere, sure, I see it. But I don't know, like, we get sort of at least one little glimpse into Jesse's background, I guess. Um, yeah, they, they do come back at some point. I'm pretty sure I remember his parents coming back at some Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure there's at least one more, but they're not are they kind in of El recurring Camino? characters. Aren't they also in El Camino? Are they oh, being interviewed on the news? I'm pretty sure, like, doesn't... Look, like, I've, only, I've only seen El Camino once, so that would... Um, I wouldn't... I'm I would have to watch it again. Sure, I'm pretty sure that either his mum or dad are on the news being interviewed. Um, right or something um again i'm the same as you i've only seen it once but right. um i've just got a vague memory um yeah i'm looking here on breaking bad wikipedia uh that, yeah but that says appearance in el camino it's got yes for both of them so um yeah, yeah. so yeah they, they they are in there somewhere but uh adam and diane pinkman are their names if you are playing at home uh, i might as well look i'll just wrap up the jesse stuff here because i mean there's not a whole lot more to go through really you kind of covered it i think a lot of it there like he goes through a scrapbook eventually sees like yeah future ambitions we get this drawing of like why mr white likes science and he's basically <laughs> getting uh fucking a beaker or something like that um he has this little moment with his brother where basically 
His brother's like won all the. I hate kids like this. Like <laughs> won all these awards, and he's got the most generic soccer picture on the wall. Like he doesn't have Manchester United on the wall or something like that. He's just got like a <laughs> stock image from the the school. Um, and then basically we find out that yeah, his brother thinks that he's the favorite because like that's they're all he ever talks about. Which I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, what's Jesse up to? We haven't heard from him in a while. Blah blah blah. But like, yeah, this obnoxious little shit of a kid who yeah, basically. We're going to find out. I mean, I know there's a Jesse scene with Walt, but we'll cover that separately. But um, the cleaner finds a joint in uh, Jesse's fake flower in his room. Um, and this is there was a scene with his parents where his parents said they can't do this again, basically. They're basically going to kick him out. And then they blame him for this joint, and we leave. And I think I remember this. I think re-watching this episode, I'm like, yeah, it's not his. It's the brother's. So, like, we find out that his little perfect brother has got a joint, um and Jesse's covered for him and uh, his brother wants the joint back and Jesse just destroys it. What does he say? Like it's skunk weed anyway or something like that. Um, well, I think the other the other thing that it's telling us is that you know at, at his heart that he's a good good guy. You know, and I think that's yeah. the thing that we um we have to play this kind of quite delicate game with Jesse's character and that um you you always want to feel sympathetic for him. Um, I think if um if you push it too far and he just seems like a bit of a, a loser and a jerk, then um that doesn't help the show. You always need to, you know, like, cause I mean, I'm sure plenty of people would argue that Jesse's actually the heart of the show as opposed to, to Walt struggle. And I, I think that becomes more true as the show goes on. Um, but at the moment, I think, um, you know, Jesse's seen as a bit of a, you know, a loser druggie and, and you need to feel like he actually does care about people. He cares about his brother and, um, and he's a, he's a good guy at the end of the day. And I think that's probably the important thing that this is trying to tell us is that regardless of what you think of this guy, it is hard. He's a, he's a good guy. And I think, I, I don't know if we mentioned it already, but, uh, you know, it's obviously very well known that Jesse was only ever meant to be a one-season character. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, and kind of, I mean, you think about Breaking Bad, you think about Walt and Jesse. So I, it's not really a spoiler to say that he's going to be a lot longer than a one-season character, yeah. really, because, I mean, he, he will be, clearly. Uh, we're talking about El Camino, so clearly we know that he's going to last uh, at least some time. So... Um, yeah, I, I should also really mention that sort of in these scenes, uh, we obviously not only do we see the drawing, we see this old report of his from uh, Mr. White, ridiculous, apply yourself. And I've just yeah, froze, yeah. froze this, uh, the scene here. And basically, question 12 is, name the following compounds. And he's literally written the same thing underneath. So A is KBR. He's written KBR. D, AIF3. He's written AIF3. Like, he hasn't actually named them. He's just written them underneath. That's me. Like, I, I would be doing the same thing. Uh, so it's kind of like a nice little moment where he kind of, you know, sort of like, you know, looks back and that. But then we've got... Uh, What's his face calling up Jesse here? And he's basically like, hey, man, we've got people in town wanting to party. You got any more of that uh, meth? It was amazing. Like, I can set you up with somebody who can, uh, you know, hook you up with this, which is obviously going to be quite a significant character very soon. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of uh, putting the wheels in motion, essentially, here uh, to what we're going to get towards the end of the season here with Combo. And this is ultimately going to lead us to having a Jesse and Walt scene, uh, which it's been, uh, what, beginning of last episode we had it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's interesting to think, kind of watching these episodes back to back, that we haven't seen these two together since the beginning of that episode. Now all of a sudden they're back. And it, it feels like so much more time has passed, doesn't it? Like we haven't seen these two together in ages. And I, I don't know we will go long periods of time without these two ever interact, interacting. Mm. But um, I don't know. Like it's always... It feels like it's been longer and then it almost feels like a very poignant moment when these two all of a sudden are brought back to each other and it's still only the fourth episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is really interesting because I think we've kind of um, been spending the last couple of episodes um, 
building them as characters individually. Um, so, and I'm, I mean, to be fair, you know, um, Jesse wasn't really a major character in the last episode. So it's been a little while since we've kind of seen heaps of Jesse. Um, and so, yeah, they've been developing as individual characters for you know, a couple of episodes here. And, and then we're going to kind of get back to them um, working together. And um, I think what's really great about this is that um, it, you know, it, it takes quite a while for these two to get on the same page as, you know, like it might be, you know, um, Walt that wants to do the cooking and then Jesse's out and then vice versa. And, um, and, you know, and I think the thing um, with Jesse too is that he's um, he doesn't really understand boundaries and lines and things like that. You know, turning up at Walt's home is just not acceptable to him. And, um, and you know, I think that's one of those things of like, if, if I was Walt, I would be really pissed about that because obviously he's got family and, you, you know, like, and Jesse probably should have thought that through and as Jesse and his right mind to be thinking about that stuff so yeah i i, I think it um it's, it's a really good scene of seeing these two and you know the, the conflict always works with these two they actually have really good chemistry um you know when they're when they're bitching each other out like i think they they always seem to kind of just come off as as really really um dynamic when they're kind of fighting which is which is good because you can do a lot of it yeah no i definitely agree before we get to that scene i'll say there's one scene i missed over which was um Walter Jr. basically waiting for uh, Walt at school. Uh, just basically, I guess, wants to ride home with him, doesn't catch the bus. And what does Walt say when he says, like, things always have a way of working themselves out or things just mm. have, yeah, working themselves out. So kind of just, it's a nice little subtle scene. Nothing really to talk about there. But yeah, this, Walt's basically found the money, uh, the extra money that had gone up the, uh, the air conditioner. And yeah, Jesse shows up. One thing I want to say about the wardrobe is like, Going back to what I was saying before at the beginning of this episode, how he kind of feels a bit realistic. This is what these type of people would be doing, hanging around a place. Like, Jesse's just got this wardrobe, which just, I think we all know people who just dress like this and who are that type of person. Like, I'm not saying they're necessarily druggies, but like, I mean, I went to high school with a bunch of people who just dress like this and just wore like baggy sort of, you know, whatever and just didn't give a shit about their appearance. And maybe they were on drugs. I don't know. But um, they do a very good job with selling this guy as just kind of like a slacker and just like, you know, Somebody like that. So yeah, I do like yeah. this I, scene. I think it's one of those things of like, you know, like the, the show is acclaimed for lots of reasons. And sometimes it's the things that you kind of forget about. Like we talked a little bit about kind of music and sound choices last week and a little bit about like kind of makeup and, and things like that. But costumes, another thing too, that's really big, you know, like it, you know, Jesse, you're right. He always kind of looks on point for the, for the character that they're portraying, but so does Walt, you know, um, they kind of always get the kind of fashion sense for this guy. He's supposed to be kind of a stuffy chemistry teacher. He always looks right you know and we never get to a point where he becomes kind of like Scarface where he's dressing up in suits and you know like he never really gets to that he always feels in character um and you know I think that characters that come in later on I think that that holds true for them as well so yeah I guess it's for me it's those little details about the show that make it great you know um it would have been a, a good show without all those things but it's that extra attention to detail and getting everything just spot on that that really makes it a standout show yeah, and no, I absolutely agree. And this is a great scene. So as you said, kind of Jesse showing up, shouldn't be showing up. He's, he say like, oh, waiting for the ball buster to leave or something like that. Walt thinks he's wearing a wire. And I'm like, Jesse, you want a wire? There's a wire right here. And like grabs his crutch. Uh, and he basically is saying that, you know, we should cook some more. Um, the last batch I sold, you know, I didn't blow it all like you said I would. And basically goes, he's $5,000 and throws it up in the, uh, the air essentially like that. And, uh, yeah, basically saying that, uh, what does he say? Like, oh, maybe I think we should like talk about it. We should debrief, um, you know, it's actually $4,000 by the way, not $5,000. Um, 
And yeah, so Walt basically tells him to fuck off. And then I do kind of like this scene when the money goes everywhere in the pool and you just got Walt with a pool sweeper yeah, basically yeah. digging it out of the thing. So uh, I don't know if you've got anything else to add on uh, this thing. No, I, th- I think you probably covered it. We've already talked about uh, about that. But yeah, I do, I do like that. Um, I, I like the way that they kind of um, portray Walt as, as um, absorbing um um, pressure is probably not the right word, but conflict, I guess. You know, like, um, you know, he he goes from having these stand-up arguments to you know, calmly just going and getting the, the, you know, the pool sweep thing and, and just, you know, getting his money. You know, like, it, it is really interesting that he kind of switches between the two quite comfortably. Yeah, I always just kind of notice that. The scene in the doctor's office, so basically the doctor going over uh, kind of, you know, what they're going to do. What does what Skylar say? Like, oh, you know, so you're saying it's curable? And he says, I would prefer to use the word treatable or something like that and kind of goes on about it prolonging the patient's life. And then he goes all over the side effects and then we kind of get that sort of ringing noise in uh, Walt's ears that we got in the pilot episode when he's hearing this, which I think is a kind of a nice little thing mm. to sort of hear. Um, I also like Skylar sitting there taking notes. Um, yeah. you know kind of just I, I just weirdly like that scene but again it's just it's a simple little scene going over the side effects of things but um, yeah I mean I, I don't know like it's you kind of get that vision there of Walt again where it's kind of just like fuck like I have to deal with all this you know for what you know like yeah. the, the quality of, which is going to be a big thing next week obviously uh, the quality of life versus the quantity of life yeah and, and I think um, one thing that I, I kind of think about when we talked a little bit at the start is you know, these are things that are happening to Walt. Um, you know, not not by Walt. Um, it's that that old Jeff Kent quote from Survivor about people make things happen or they watch things happen. And I guess at the moment, you know, Walt's watching things happen to him as opposed to making things happen. And and part of his metamorphosis is that he's going to start making things happen. Um, and and so I think that that's probably um, a really key thing to think about. I, I, that you kind of touched on it a little bit before about health systems, and I kind of think that 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 touch of, of Skylar having the notebook I think probably speaks that a little bit is that you know because the chances of them actually getting any information once they leave the room it's going to cost them more money to call back and things like that and you know there's that there's that meme or that joke that's gone around about Breaking Bad if it was set in Canada would have been you know you know chemistry teacher gets sick he gets treatment the end you know like (laughs) there is there is no story if it's set in Canada or if it's set in New Zealand or Australia so um, I always really like that joke and um, I think that they do a really good job of kind of being pretty kind of apolitical about the health system they're just straight up about it Um, but um, but yeah being honest about the fact that these these guys are in a situation where it's going to cost them lots of money to have that kind of health care that they need it's only once they mentioned this episode where they say, like, my AMO won't cover it or cover this doctor, so that's why it's like a $5,000 thing. And then we're going to find out here that it's $90,000. I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, I mean, Walt's, got again, got a very good point here. It's like, like if it doesn't work, like, you're going to be in this yeah. massive amount of debt. And, again, this is – we're going to get more of this next week, obviously, with the pillow situation. But, um yeah, and sort of as they're having this discussion, because uh, Skylar's talking about how helpful the brochure is, here we've got Walt Jr. basically watching some weird UFO show. Maybe he's watching the X-Files. I don't know. There's a connection to the X-Files. Um, yeah. 
But we kind of got this. Uh, again, I don't know if this. I'm assuming this would be censored on the. Is on, is this one you were talking about last week with the the over the censor? Because he basically turns around here and what goes. Well, why don't you just fucking die already? No, um, it's a, the the one I'm thinking of is right at the very very end of this whole series. Um, right. So yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But um, yeah, I think that, again, it's another one of those season one things where there's definitely a lot more f bombs get dropped, and then they kind of they they feel out how they want to use swearing and stuff a little bit more from season two onwards. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's an impactful scene, you know. Where, oh, it's so um, impactful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really, really good, and, and and I think this is the whole thing of like Walt starts to put the feelers out that he wants to start making his own choices about what happens to him, and and he's almost kind of pushed into a corner um, by his family that there is only one option, you know, um, and that's not necessarily true from his perspective, and I think that that's um, it's just it's quite fascinating to think about. Um, I think your point about the UFOs is probably right. It's probably not by accident that he's watching something about UFOs and it's about the X Files. Um, I'm just seeing here he's watching Earth versus the Flying Saucers is apparently what he's watching. Right. So, <laughs> you know. But you know, one thing that I'd, I'd love to like kind of just almost, and we say this all the time and we never fucking remember it, but like there's obviously the incredibly, incredibly famous uh, scene with this family. Is it? Is it in Aussie Mandis? Uh, you know, kind of the. You know the scene I'm talking about uh, without mm-hmm. me kind of uh, yeah. explaining what it is. Um, yeah. Like, just remember that scene versus this scene. It's kind of almost mm-hmm. like this is, you know, Walt at his, you know, Walt Jr. at his almost caring best and then what we're going to get eventually in that, that scene in, in season five. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's jarring. Like, it's kind of, you know, it's that journey. It's that journey to remember of where we get to from where we are mm-hmm. here right now. Because, mm-hmm. again, you, you're dealing with, and, like, it's, Look, you know, without going too much into my personal life, like I, I've had personal experience of having to deal with situations like this and having to talk about, you know, treatment and things like that with, you know, close family members with parent. So it kind of it comes from that level where I can understand, you know, Walt Jr. and what he's saying here mm-hmm. because, again, you have to have these conversations. You have to sort of work things out. And the family want nothing more than to obviously, you know, to help and do what you can. But then sometimes you also do have to think about the person who's going through this as we'll get to next week, quality versus quantity. So Mm. it's layered and it feels realistic. Again, we talked about this last week, no music, no nothing, no anything. It's just, and it's sudden, like, you're not kind of expecting this, you know, what is he meant to be only like 17, 16 or something like that to basically just be like, you know, why don't you just fucking die already? You're like, holy crap. Like, wow. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think it's one of those things of, um, you know we're four episodes into this now and everything's been largely presented from Walt's perspective um and now we're starting to get how his how his views and his wishes are starting to impact on other people because we haven't really seen things from their perspective yet so we're going to see more of that as we go along and so you know these guys are, are, are angry and rightfully so i would think because you know their views and, and their wishes should be taken into account from their perspective and potentially they're feeling like they are not being taken into perspective by Walt but he's got a different view on things as well and and that money thing is, is not something that can be discounted it's a big deal um, and so so yeah I think there's nobody that's actually wrong in this situation I think that's what makes it mm. quite cool is that nobody's wrong um, it's just different perspectives on things starting to sound like an after school special but that, you know that is kind of what it feels like but it's also a case too that um I mean, there are definitely periods of the show where kind of the cancer storyline kind of, you almost forget, don't you, at certain points that he's got cancer, <laughs> um, which, I mean, it's the whole point of this show. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of in these initial phases when he's still dealing with the initial sort of prognosis and you're kind of dealing with telling the family and that. So it's, it's interesting kind of to get this sort of stuff from the beginning, I guess, and um, yeah. see it again. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so it ends basically with Walt's driving off. Uh, he's, he's having a big coughing fit. He's got to pull over because he's having a bad one. He sees blood on his hand for the first time. And as he's pulled over, he's pulled over into a, a gas station, a service station. And here's old Ken wins again, nearly running over a grandma. He's on his Bluetooth again and basically goes inside to get something. And Walt cracks. Walt just absolutely loses it. He walks up to this car, gets a window washer squeegee thing, puts it on the battery and we get a slow-mo. What is uh, that? Is it Team America or South Park or something like that where they've got that song like, never look back to an explosion yeah. makes you so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, you've got that scene, uh, which obviously we've got some more famous ones to come, but um and he just tries to, I, I've got to, I've got to ask the obvious here to not take away from the, the badassness of this scene. I mean, are there not security cameras here? Are there not some sort of vision here? Did the little old lady in the car not see, uh, Walt put a squeegee? I mean, they're going to, the fire crews are going to open the bonnet and goes, oh, well, here's your problem. Someone's put a squeegee on your battery. Uh, I mean, again, <laughs> not to take away from the awesomeness of this scene, cause it's kind of like Walt realizing, going back to your point there about, you know, some people watch things, some people do things. So he's standing up, he's being a badass. Um, I mean, you might argue this is Walt's first badass scene. Um, I know we yeah, murdered I think, someone I th- last week. I, but, yeah. I think it probably, um, like, one of the um, the most memorable scenes from this whole season is going to come um, towards the end, actually. But um, And that it's kind of a bit of a mirror image of this, that actually he's doing things in broad daylight because he's almost invisible to people. Like, he's so such a nobody um, that he's almost like a ghost, that he can just do these things. Um, and I guess that's probably one of the points that's been trying to make here is that, yeah, he like if he was anybody else, he people would notice him, but he's so unnoticed in the world that he can go around and do these things and, and nobody's going to notice it. And that kind of speaks to that bigger point of why Hank doesn't really kind of figure out what's going on a bit sooner. So, yeah, yeah I think there are definitely holes you can you can fill with this because, like, I think if you were actually doing this in real life, you would probably you know, put this, the, the squeegee thing and then you would, like, run for the hills so that you're not on the scene at all. But that wouldn't be nearly as fun as the kind of Iron Man type walking away That's as it explodes. Point. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's more, it's absolutely more more fun the way we see it um but it's probably not entirely realistic but to me it feels it feels um realistic enough to to not question it too much i guess is this one of the things they did on Mythbusters, putting a squeegee on a battery to see if it blows up? <laughs> and not that I saw, but I was kind of watching some, I wouldn't say pirated, but it had obviously been chopped up and put on YouTube. So there were probably bits of the episode that I missed um, that, yeah, it might have been on there. The other one they um, did was if you could blow up the, the scene I was just talking about where, you know, he goes in, in a few episodes time and uses the, I can't remember what the mm. thing is now, but it blows up the whole the whole building. So, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I mean, that'd be, that'd be one of those cool scenes to film, I can imagine. Like, I'd love to see the making yeah. of this episode because, like, this is a one-take thing, I'm sure, that, like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, guys, we've got all this explosive in this BMW. Uh, Brian, just hold it together. Like, we can only do this in one shot. Um, yeah. And, I mean, again, like, you can imagine as an actor, like, you're going to sort of jump when something explodes. So you've got to, like, try and tell yourself, like, do not jump. You're cool. Like, but he doesn't. Back. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't jump doesn't. at all, which is really cool. Yeah, and I mean, again, having said that previously, like, again, I don't know how I can say this, having technically owned a BMW now in my life, but, I mean, that's generally what you should do with a BMW anyway, just down up, so... <laughs> Um, I feel like I can say that now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... And we kind of... This song at the end is kind of like some old, like, funky town song. I don't know what it is. Um, it's probably if I see here, it will tell me somewhere on this um, 
on this uh, Breaking Bad wiki. But, um, I mean, I've, I've got the soundtrack for this. I think I've got a couple of them, actually. And, like, a lot of the music is kind of this style of music. You know, it's kind of like almost like a Motown sound or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you yeah. own the soundtrack or... The, the, the music for the show is um, very niche, I would say. Like, it's not one where you're going to hear, like, the Rolling Stones every other week or something like that. They are all very, very niche songs um, that you will have only have heard on Breaking Bad for the most part. There might be one or two that you recognise, but largely speaking, their songs are, I think, from, from Vince Gilligan's kind of personal collection or something like that. I believe it's Didn't I by Dorondo. So I've got three songs here that are featured in this episode, but... Uh, it looks like that uh, is probably the one there. Um, so you've got your book this week, but I'm just going to look quickly here at the trivia. Uh, we've basically gone through most of this, I think. Uh, the car is a 1996 BMW 318 Cabrio. Uh, you've already gone over the Cancer Man reference. Uh, Gilligan said that this episode is a major turning point in the series, probably because Walter reveals to Skylar that he has cancer, or possibly it is Walter blowing up Ken's car, his first willyful and spiteful act of violence. That's kind of, as I said before, it's kind of his first badass moment, because it says here the deaths of Amelia and Crazy Eight were largely forced upon him. Um, and... So it's got here, there may be foreshadowing reference to Saul Goodman in this episode. When Ken exits his car, he mentions having the best freaking attorney who has <laughs> this little team of ninjas. Both could be referring to Saul since he has proven himself to be a very competent lawyer, often getting Walt, Jesse and others out of legal trouble. He's also willing to use violence as seen by the hiring of Mike Ehrmantraut. Um... But then it's got here, the events of Better Call Soul, however, reveals that it wouldn't make sense if Ken would enlist the services of Soul after him and Kim Wessler scanning him into buying $50 shots of Zafiro <laughs> Arego. Additionally, in the beginning of this episode, Skylar suggests that they get a lawyer. I do I do love, like, this just reminds you of Lostpedia when Noah and I do that, that there's always, like, some outstanding trivia fact and then you've always got debate underneath it. It's like it's like somebody's read this and going, well, no, you're wrong. Like, can't you just delete the <laughs> trivia fact rather than having an open argument for us to read? Um, yeah, yeah, you know you're you know you're a nerd when you're on like IMDb or the or the wiki site for for something and you're arguing about trivia underneath. That's where you've you've gone through the looking glass. There's no hope for you after that. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. saying I haven't been one of those people, so um, I include, <laughs> probably include myself. So the there best thing, point. the best thing that I've ever done on any wiki is uh, I remember back in the Survivor Oz days might have been when we were doing commentaries for some reason. We literally went onto every single contestant's page and added a trivia saying they are a fan of Brad Pitt. They are a fan of Brad Pitt. <laughs> there was a joke behind it somewhere. I can't remember why, but it was funny at the time. So, yeah. Uh, do you have anything in the book, Nick, that, uh, that I have Nothing, nothing, that, nothing no? that's standing out, um, but, yeah, I'll just go and point out the IMDb rating. This one was 8.4, um, so it's a little bit lower than the others, but um, not significantly lower than the others. Um, yeah. Well, I'll just quickly add, we'll get to our rankings and that in a minute. Um, I mean, yeah, this is these are two fairly low ranked on the two ones. I've got so Vulture. They rank this at 56, which is in the bottom 10. Uh, and then the ringer has it at 43, so in the bottom 20. So kind of uh, two there. Look, I, I'll just jump in here, and I, I, I'm going to reflect a lot of that. I am going to rent this. Um, it's a high rent. Like, it's not a terrible episode. I don't dislike this episode, but I think kind of what we had in the first three episodes, it doesn't compare. And you're not going to sit down and remember Cancer Man in, in three seasons' time. So... Um, yeah, it's not it's not binworthy. It's not a terrible episode, but I just don't think there's anything in this episode that makes it so outstanding that I want to buy it. So, my first rent for Breaking mm. Bad. 
Yeah, well, I think I famously said before we started this that I would just go through and buy every episode of it. Um, so I've made it three before I lied because I'm going to rent it as well. Um, <laughs> and for, for very much the same reasons, I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode, but um, it's pretty forgettable, I think. Um, for me, I think the things that it probably doesn't hold up in the whole view of the show because lots of things happen here, especially around that Jesse story that maybe just don't really pay off. It gives us a sense of who he is, but I think probably there's arguably some wasted time there with characters that don't come back up again um so you can like it as a standalone story about jesse in one episode but it doesn't really link with anything else largely um i think the thing for me in terms of the walt story with this one is that um seen as kind of like a double act with the next episode um which is the the gray matter episode um because obviously that gets into discussions about him his backstory how he's going to pay for this and ultimately some decisions that he makes um i think gets set up here and so this is almost like a setup episode for the payoff episode which comes after this one um but i think in order for this to stand up and be a buy episode on its own it needed a little bit more payoff in this episode alone um so i'm probably showing my hand on what i think of the next episode a little bit but i think next episode you get a lot of payoff for some of the stuff that's discussed in this one so but on its own if i was just going to you know flick an episode on randomly this one would would certainly not be one that I would go to um, anytime soon. So while it's definitely good, some good acting, some good moments, um, it, it, there's nothing particularly outstanding. So yeah, it's a it's a rent for me, and it would be yeah. number four of the of Same. the the four we've talked yeah. about. Yeah, which I think is an obvious answer given that we've bought the first three. So uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, as you said, Grey Matter next week, which uh, yeah has a lot on a lot on Walt really, doesn't it? We meet uh, we we talked about Gretchen last week. So we're yep. going to meet her properly next week. We're going to meet uh, Elliot next week as well. We meet Badger for the first time next week as well. Uh, so, yeah, I guess a, a bit of a, a payoff essentially uh, for a lot of stuff this week. But, yeah, I think it kind of – you talk about sort of the stuff with Jesse this week. Like I think kind of this is very important for a lot of Walt stuff next week. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah and it's I, interesting. And, um, I think um, as well as I'm somebody that personally I'm a bit of a sucker for backstories um, you know I like, I like to have that kind of filled out for me so um, I think there's a lot of backstory that fills in who Walt is and, and uh, you know who he could have been um, and so I think for, for that alone I, I actually really enjoy some of the stuff we get with those kind of background characters who we don't actually you know Elliot and Gretchen aren't major characters on the show in terms of screen time but they are actually quite major characters in terms of their impact on the show um, so it's quite cool to have them kind of set up here and, and, and get them up and running as characters and I also think too like they're kind of they're these I like characters like this where you're really not sure if you're meant to like them or not. Like, as in, like, you feel like you should, but then I guess if you kind of dig deep down into, like, their backstory and what we're going to learn, like, you really should hate these guys. Um, it's kind of... And I, I love that in the final, the finale episode we'll get, like, when we get there, you know, like, I love kind of what happens with them. So, interesting thing next week, too, is that uh, written and directed both by females. So, I believe it's our first time we get uh, any females behind the camera or writing and we get them both at the same time. So, uh, yeah. Trisha Brock directing and Patty Lynn writing. Patty Lynn, she's... Uh, that's a pretty prominent name, isn't it? She's gone on to do a few other things. Uh, she's written Desperate Housewives, Friends. Um, yeah, that name sounds very familiar to me. So mm. anyway, uh, but uh, yeah, so that's next week. Anything else to add, Nicholas, before we uh, wrap things up? No, no, I think that's all. I think we've uh, we've given this a good shake. So yeah, looking forward to, to moving on to uh, Grey Matter next week. 
Indeed, as always, you'll hear all the things to do at the end of this episode, like and all that kind of fun stuff, Patreon. And uh, as I mentioned, usually we've got 24 covering as well. So if you're into some more TV uh, stuff, then uh, hit that up and uh, other episodes too coming out when they come out. But until we next week again, my name is Ben and hell yeah, Sunday Night Bowl, yo! And my name's Nick and speaking to the mic, bitch. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.